in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The Lady Rebels are playing for a Mountain West championship tonight. They beat Air Force yesterday 61-50. to They will play Colorado State today because Colorado State upset New Mexico in the semifinals. So a much easier path for the Lady Rebels tonight against Colorado State. And by the way, you can watch that game on TV. The championship game will be on CBS Sports Network. Okay, that's what I was I was asking a question at WCC last night. We were not sure that it was on TV, so cool. You get to watch it. Yep, it is. Uh, UNLV Colorado State played just once in the regular season. That was actually February 26th, not too long ago. UNLV won by 11 points in Fort Collins. Okay. So there, here's the Lady Rebels uh, had a great regular season. They got the one seed. They finished 25-6 and six overall. Their path to a Mountain West title, they had to beat the nine seed in Utah State, the five seed in Air Force, and now the six seed in Colorado State. That is about as easy of a path as you could ask for in a conference tournament. It's what you it want. Is, it is all right there for the Lady Rebels to win tonight, beat Colorado State, go to the NCAA tournament as a 13 seed or whatever they end up getting, and have a slight shot at an upset in that first yep. round. But you can't. You can watch it tonight on TV. The Lady Rebels are playing for a conference championship and a shot at the NCAA tournament. Seven o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Here's a player that's won 45 times on the PGA Tour. He's had a Hall of Fame career. He's won here at the Players' Championship. He's inspired a lot of people and helped grow this tour, his tour. And so, as difficult as it is to read some of the things that were said, ultimately, the conversation will be had when he's ready to have it. And I'll be ready to have it as well. That was PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan. Um, he has not spoken to Phil Mickelson uh, since Phil Mickelson's uh, comments last week. Ed, can you can you give us a, a quick recap so, on where Phil Mickelson stands? So there's a lot of PGA Tour players upset with the Tour right now for money distribution, and there's a lot of reasons they're not happy, transparency with the PGA Tour. So Mickelson uh, went out and actually supported a super golf league from Saudi Arabia, calling the Saudis scary, uh, obviously, we know about the history of human rights violations in Saudi Arabia, but he supported the Super Golf League uh, in his mind to gain leverage against this PJ Tour. What Phil didn't realize is nobody would be behind him in terms of the tour players. <laughs> so Rory McIlroy, uh, Dustin Johnson, a lot of people came out and really ripped Phil and said, look, we, we want nothing to do with this. So Mickelson was ca kind of caught on an island by himself. So he announced he has now stepped away from the PGA Tour, and Monaghan wants to talk to him if he ever wants to come back. Um, but Phil made a uh, he made a bad um, calculation of who would be behind him. Um, Charlie Hoffman, the UNLV uh, golfer, uh, last month also had some really uh, outspoken uh, words about the PGA Tour. So I think Phil thought guys would be behind him, and and they weren't, given uh, like we said the Saudis' uh, human rights violations and everything that goes on there. So. Phil has stepped away, and if he wants to come back, it appears he's going to have to have a talk with the commissioner. So, basically, Phil Mickelson was trying to find a different league that would pay golfers more or be right. better about right. paying golfers. 
and he just happened to pick the, the Saudi Arabian one that nobody else would be interested in. But like, if if I set the whole Saudi Arabia thing aside for a second, which is the problem here, conceivably, if there was another golf league that all of the players could get behind, like they could actually put pressure on the PGA. I think they could, change. sure, if all the top players okay. did. Yeah, yeah. it's just, just not in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. Kyrie Irving scored 50 points last night as the Bucks beat the Hornets. That was a surprisingly big game because that is the current eight and nine seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Brooklyn stays ahead of Charlotte. They have the eight seed at the moment. That's important because the seven play the eight seed and the winner goes straight to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. The nine seed has to beat the 10 seed and then beat the loser of the seven and the eight to make it to the actual playoffs. Um, the Nets are five and a half games behind Cleveland for sixth. You've got to be in the top six to avoid the play-in rounds. The The Nets are going to be in the play-in rounds. Like, that's basically, yes. a, yeah, yes. it's pretty close to a done deal at this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're they're my pick to win the East. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Kyrie needs a few more 50-pointers. Uh, uh, but yeah, they're going to be in the play-in round. And you, you we've talked about the play-in round with the Lakers. It is not easy. It's not easy to get out of the play-in round, especially if you have to play the two games. So they need to stay in a situation where they could avoid that. And I don't know if they're going to avoid that. And as good as they can be, we've talked about Durant. Um, I don't know. I, I think they might have to play two games, and you could easily see him getting bounced. Imagine being the Miami Heat. You get the one seed, and then your eight seed in the first round is Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Kyrie, <laughs> Kyrie Irving. Irving. Like, if well, all those guys are able to play every game of that series, all of a sudden Miami gets the one and they get that in the that's the first round matchup they have. That there, there's a chance. And again, it's a lot of we've talked about it, it's a lot of ifs with Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving, but there is a chance that the Brooklyn Nets, if they are good to go, that they are an absolute nightmare of a seven or an eight seed in the East. Because again, Kevin Durant's the best player, like, he is the best player, the number one guy you would pick to start a team. And if you've got to play that guy in the first round with an actually like healthy, able to play uh, roster around him, you might go out to an eight seed in the first round after having a great regular season. It's tough for a Hall of Fame coach. Oh my God! Really oh, tough if you Jesus. go out in the first round against an eight seed. Give you, I want you guys you more, to know. Uh, give you more uh, ammunition. Uh, yesterday, at some point, I spent about five minutes of my day reading people on Reddit calling Eric Spolster the best coach in the league. So you I mean, read people read, who are right? I mean, Jared and I were on there a few times, so. No, you you just like, you, you're just going to say that he's the best coach in the league sarcastically, but you're not going to actually like put up any stats or evidence. You wh Who is this Tyler Bischoff that <laughs> like, come on, man. I didn't say he's the best coach in the league. No, I know, but you ref you said it sarcastically, like you had something to come back on that, but uh, silence is compliance. So, yes, he is the Listen, best coach in the league. My argument against you two fools is that you guys put him in the <laughs> Hall of Fame when all he has done is won a couple titles with LeBron won James. Won a couple well, titles. I mean, LeBron yeah. James was the most yeah. efficient he has ever been in his entire career. With the Hall of Fame coach. When he was coached by a Hall of Famer. Because it was the peak of his career, and he got to play with good players for the first time in his life, and Booby Gibson wasn't his number two for the first time. Well, I mean, Pat Riley's in the Hall of Fame. He had pretty good players during Showtime. Yes, I mean, you're yeah, always going to have good yeah, players. I mean, you're always you, going to have good listen, players. Listen, 
You guys hey, put him in the Hall the of pistons, Fame. The Pistons, the 04 Pistons. That's true. Was That's true. not a good <laughs> team. <laughs> Eric Spolstra is a good basketball coach. He might end up in the Hall of Fame. Oh, he he probably will end he up will. in the Hall of Fame. But you guys put him in the Hall of Fame before he had not accomplished anything without LeBron James. Since then, he lost the NBA Finals without LeBron James. Okay, good job. And this year, he's he got the number one seed. Tyler Hero to the NBA Finals. No, Jimmy Butler took Tyler Hero to the NBA Finals, not Eric Spolstra. Don't sit here and act like Tyler Hero was the best player on the team. Who's the Who's the guy that played Division Three that all he does is shoot threes? I thought that was Tyler Hero. He went to Kentucky, but yeah. Um, they listen. The Heat are fine. Spolstra's good. Just calm down with calling him a Hall of Famer. That's my pick to win the East. Oh, uh, you know I can't tell you that. All right, this story is from uh, Philly Voice, and it is an interesting one. Ben Simmons is expected to file a grievance against the Philadelphia 76ers. He was not paid when he was sitting out, choosing not to play, not able to play. However that gets phrased is going to be very important here. Um, Apparently, he's going to file a grievance, and he is going to argue in his grievance that his mental health is what was preventing him from playing and that there's no reason he shouldn't have gotten paid because that should be treated the same way as an injury. The interesting detail from Philly Voice, though, is that Simmons is going to be in Philadelphia for Nets and Sixers on Thursday. And according to Philly Voice, he is going to use how the fans treat him as an example as to why he could not play. Wait, how they treat him on Thursday or how they treated him when he was there? How they treat him on Thursday? They're basically basically they're going. That's ben Simmons is going to be fulfilling prophecy, and the idea here is that Philadelphia fans are going to be ruthless and yell at him and heckle him, and it's going to be brutal. And they're going to use that and say, "Listen, Ben Simmons couldn't show up and play for Philadelphia because this is how he was going to cool. be treated, and that was a negative impact on his mental health." I mean, if I'm the Philly fans and I read this, I'm I'm giving him a standing ovation when he walks out. <laughs> why, why in the world? Would, if if I can save the team twenty million dollars. I'm 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 clapping for if, the guy. This I, is weird that he let this part out of it. If I am the morning show, the morning sports show in Philadelphia, I am organizing. Like okay, guys, yeah. whenever Ben hits the floor, don't clap, don't do anything, dead silence. If he makes a layup, dead silence. Well, we he's just, not playing. He's oh, gonna be okay. On the bench. Well, he's all right. just on the bench. Just dead silence, though. Yeah. And whenever he good. comes out, dead silence. That would be good if nobody made a single noise when Ben Simmons was out there. Yeah, but that is, I I will say this, from Ben Simmons' lawyer or agent who's ever in charge of filing this grievance, that is a tremendous argument. Like, hey, Ben, we're going to send you to just sit on the bench. You're not playing. You're just going to sit on the end of the bench, and when they yell at you, we'll use that as an example. That is tremendous We'll document everything they say. Right. That is tremendous. The only downside is, like you said, they somehow (laughs) let it get out beforehand. Exactly. Like that, that kind of ruins the entire plan. But like, if they had, if it hadn't gotten out, and let's just say he sat on the bench and like it got picked up on TV and there were cell phone videos of just like verbal abuse of Ben Simmons, and then you walk in and say, listen, he couldn't play in Philly. Look how this the is what fans he, this is what he put up him. with for years. Right. This was this was what was causing his mental health to deteriorate. That to me is that's a great argument, but you can't really have it be premeditated, which it looks like it is. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. Wide receiver news across the NFL. First off, Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams were franchise tagged yesterday. Also, Mike Williams signed a three-year deal 
with the Chargers for $60 million. Uh, so the Chargers hold on to their number two wide receiver. First off, on the Chargers side here, um, they keep their number two. Yeah, they keep my But does that, does that make $20 million the asking price for, like, Allen Robinson in free agency? Well, uh, and that's I think I think Devontae, even though he's probably going to sign a long term deal, his his tag was twenty three twenty four. So that seems kind of like the not the average, but the high end of top top receivers. So, I mean, Amari Cooper. We talked about it the other day in terms of the Raiders. I don't know if I'd give Amari Cooper twenty million dollars. DJ Shark, would you give him twenty? DJ Shark. <laughs> I'm seeing like, all these headlines now. Raiders fans should be excited about DJ Shark. I I think I I hope they sign DJ Chark just so I can hear Jared do that for the for the yes. rest of his contract. But he's, he's gonna get like two catches a game for twelve <laughs> yards, and both those highlights will be played. <laughs> um, that so it's an interesting part because the top of the free agent market for wide receivers got decimated yesterday with Williams, Godwin, and Adams all being uh, kept by their current team. So you turn around and now it's. Allen Robinson and DJ Chark is probably the best two free agent wide receivers. And we'll see if Amari Cooper does in fact get released or cut or whatever, then he would be up there in that top group as well. But it's, it's interesting. How much are you going to have to pay those guys? Like if you're going after Allen Robinson or Amari Cooper, do you have to give right. them $20 million? And if that's the case, not that that's a massive overpay, but if you're the Raiders, how much do you look around and say, okay, where can we better spend this money and draft mm-hmm. a rookie and draft a rookie round? wide receiver? And hope that guy is, you know, yeah. a, a competent, you know, 800, 900 right. yard receiver. And hope you're hoping for better, but a competent third weapon with Waller and Renfro that potentially could make a, a very big difference for UNLV or UNLV for the Raiders. Step back one legged. What kind of shot is that? Have you ever shot that shot? Do you work on that shot? When? Uh, Jim Nagy yesterday tweeted this out. Just hit up a few NFL scouts about potential asking price for Jordan Love. Most think Packers could get a second round pick for him. Feeling his talent and upside is worth that roll of the dice. So uh, Rodgers staying in Green Bay, even though he's uh, coming out refuting that he's actually signed the contract, whatever. (laughs) But he said he's staying. Uh, He's unbelievable. Um, But (laughs) the Jordan Love side of this, like if you're the Packers, you you trade this guy now. If you get a second rounder. Yeah, I, I think you're trading him, even if yeah. it's as high. Even if you just get a third, I think you're trading Jordan Love at this point. And I am, I'm again fascinated to see anybody that's interested in Jordan Love because, well, it's you like you believe, said all along, though there could be a lot of people because they look at the draft stock and they say these quarterbacks all stink. Right. If you are whatever, we'll just use Washington as an example. You need a quarterback. You're drafting, and you're like, well, we don't really like any of these quarterbacks, and we could give up a second and get Jordan Love, keep our first round pick and draft a different position, that that's a very appeasing or appealing mm-hmm. way to go about things if you are ending if you're set on taking a rookie quarterback or a Jordan Love situation. Like that's interesting. The other guy that's out there by the way is Mitch Trubisky's a free agent. Are you ready for Mitch Trubisky to get another starting job? Uh no I'm not. It's happening. He's gonna get one. i, I he's gonna over get Marcus Mariota? Uh, I think both of them are I think they're gonna be competing for the Washington job. Ah Bring in Blake Bortles. Might as well. Might as well. It'll be a lot of fun. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into some UNLV basketball because are you ready for the Ooh. NIT? Out to Bryce. Oh, my gosh. Another offensive foul. And Kevin Kruger is in absolute disbelief. 
just absolute disbelief that they called that on Bryce Hamilton. As Kijab hit the deck, he and Bryce are both laughing. That was, uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of bad ones, but that might have been one of the worst ones. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. All right, I've been thoroughly distracted because I think we've seen a leak of Lights FC's jersey for the upcoming season, and I'm very excited about these. We might have to get into that later. Uh, but thank you, Michael Perkins, for showing me those. Um, but UNLV, they play tomorrow in the quarterfinals against Wyoming. Uh, but we're looking to the future a little bit. Do you believe this team can go to the NIT? We're going to do some NIT bubble watch the next couple of days? I am watching right now in the NIT bracketology, and <laughs> they've got the Mighty Rebels in a 2-7 game v. Dayton. There's a bracketology for oh, the yeah. NIT? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They are a it's... seven seed. Hold on, hold on, Jared. You don't believe nitbracketology.blogspot.com? I mean, I no, I believe them obviously because they're they're in the weeds on it. But what I'm saying is, it's the NIT. Yeah, why not? What's wrong with that? I, all right, well, these guys go to the NIT, be a huge success, wouldn't it? I mean, ten new I gotta, guys. It'd be like playing in the Idaho famous Potato Bowl. I think that's the CBI. Oh, all right. <laughs> The C- oh, I, oh, let me ask you to... something. I don't know if there's a CBI this year. I mean, well, we need I to find idea. CBI bracketology yeah. is what we need to do. If there's a CBI. I'm on we, it. We had this uh, discussion when Menzies was the coach, and I don't know what year it was, but they didn't make either, and it's like, oh, the CBI. The CBI, I think you actually have to maybe pay to be in. I don't know what it is, but they call you and say, hey, if you have any interest, tell us. If not, we're not going to pick you. Um, they can get in the CBI. Would you do it his first year with 10 new faces? No. Neither would I. Perception-wise, um, I, I wouldn't go near the tournament. If I'm UNLV, I have zero interest in the CBI simply because there is nothing to gain, really. No. You um, can lose a lot in recruiting, by the way. And and it's it's just, yeah, it, it's a tournament that if, you, if you're going to the CBI as a Mountain West team, you probably didn't have a good season um, at the end of the day. I think NIT, you're, you're going to the NIT. The but, only oh, team yeah. that is currently, according to HappeningHoops.com's... Oh. Yeah, I see this. I'm, and the CTI as well. C- yeah, the CTI. Not the CBI. The C- CIT. My bad. Air Force. Air Force is in the West Division. <laughs> oh, Air Force. Why? What? Air Force in the CBI. Air Force looks like a third team in. They'd get the sixth seed. It would be Air Force versus Cal State University Bakersfield. Are you telling me that the, you're, you're looking at a bracket I, and there's multiple teams? T- in Tyler. There? I, oh, yeah. I just yeah. put something in the rundown. that I, He's yeah. looking at a bracket, so his is even better than mine. Oh, boy. This is this is very good. So that's the right. CIT. The CBI has the C- <laughs> now this had to be early in the year because this had well first of all okay, 2022. These oh, here we go. That's that's our fault. That's our fault. There's no bracket yet. This is the 2021 bracket because obviously all of a sudden San Jose State was in and I'm like, "Listen, 
I, I don't know anything about San Jose uh, yeah. State either. They're like two and twenty, so they can't even be in this tournament. So this is the twenty twenty one bracket. So wow, if, there's if no enough update. teams, if enough teams reject them, San Jose State might be going yeah, to the CIT. Oh, what are you talking about? You don't want to go to the CBI and have a recruiter in the house saying, "Well, we went to the Sweet Sixteen, they went to the CBI." <laughs> CBI, like, you don't want that big time. Um, here's here's the fun part about the NIT is if you care about it, which I would argue UNLV should probably care a little bit about the NIT. Um, simply because they haven't been to the postseason since 2013, period. And the NIT is yeah, prestigious enough that you can actually oh, say, sure. yeah, look, we, we were close. Um, it does make this week a little bit more interesting. And in retrospect, it makes that loss to New Mexico hurt quite a bit. Like if UNLV, like in this uh, NIT bracketology.blogspot.com bracketology, um, <laughs> they're a sevens. <laughs> Like, yeah, they're seven. They're one of they're one of the last eight teams into the NIT, which means had they beat New Mexico, maybe they're a six seed and they've got a little bit more comfort or a little bit more safety as it uh, in regards to their NIT spot. I will say I did try to look up a couple other people that do NIT bracketology, and yes, there are uh, more than one Jared. Nobody else has UNLV in the NIT. I this is the only place like that has them. You have just found your niche. No, I don't care that much about bad basketball. I don't care that much about Dayton UNLV matchups. According to the what 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 would it be? The Tybish? Tybish, you're right. That that would be my my power rankings of college basketball. The the Tbish. The Tbish. Yeah, yeah, they're they're ranked <laughs> uh they're ranked 27 in the Tbish, so they're going to the CBI. Now, yeah, what's no. are, is anyone looking at the Barking Crow? Uh what's the Barking Crow? That's another uh NIT um uh, bracketology. They are not in this one. They are not in what would be the West Reed, the Dayton region, um, the Wyoming region, Indiana region, and Notre Dame region. But I'll say this: um, <laughs> Is it interesting to you? I, I, I'll tell you what. Tyler, Wyoming loses tomorrow. They're not in. I mean, Lenardi's got them as a play-in right now, and every NIT bracketology has them a, as a one seed. I think Wyoming's they, out if they lose. They are. Wyoming's interesting in terms of their like rankings across all the different metrics that the that the selection committee uses to judge teams because Wyoming has a pretty high Ken Palm ranking, right? They're in, I think, still in the top fifty of a Ken Palm ranking. But like they're only where where are they at in net? They're forty eight in net, so they're pretty good in net. But like if you look at all the like Sagarin and Bart Torvik and everything, they don't have the highest ranking so mm -hmm. far this year. Like they, they're all over the place where there is, let's see, their net strength to schedule is 96th, which is not great, but okay. Like they have a very strange, here we go. I finally found it while I was buffering through that. Um, Ken Palm has them at 40. Uh, Sagarin has them at 84. Uh, BPI has them at 103. So at those best, at are, best, that's the bubble. Right. Those are like, you've got one that has them in the top 50 and then 84 and 103. Now, those are all just tools that the selection committee looks at. Whether or not they think it's important or not is a different question, but they certainly do not have the metrics behind them that guarantee them a spot. And if you, if you believe Ken Palm, then they're probably in the NCAA tournament. But if you go more by BPI or even Sagarin rankings, 
they're probably not an NCAA tournament team. No. They're an NIT team. So they're an interesting case of as to what the committee will do. And I think it's probably a safe bet that to lean on the side that they're not going to think favorably of a Mountain West team. Which means, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, Mar. Then UNLV is going to get a focused team. It's not going to be like Presumably. you said earlier. It's not going to be like Boise saying, well, we're in. I mean, you get to the semis Friday night. Okay, we lose. And, you know, we're, maybe we're an eight seed instead of a seven, yeah. although you don't want to be on the eight nine line. But, um, Wyoming tomorrow, I would assume, is, I'm, I would assume their coaching staff and those kids know, like, you got to win a game. Yeah. Got to, can't lose to UNLV. No. UNLV can knock them out. No. All right. Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Good morning, Jason. Hello, Jason. How's everybody doing? We're listening to the Star of Raider Nation Radio. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> there you go. Are you back on today? No, it was just uh, Monday, Tuesday with Eddie Pascal hanging out in JT the Brick. You know, uh, that's like the easiest thing in the world when they call and say, "Hey, want to talk about the Raiders for a few hours?" Because I could do that <laughs> in my sleep. It just happened to be that yesterday the Raider Nation show wasn't that much different than Spain and Fitz was at night because. Uh, certainly, all of the uh, all of the impact yesterday at the quarterback position impacted the Raiders as much as the NFL. All right, uh, should the Raiders rebuild now? Should they just say, "Yeah, hey, we're not competing in this division for a couple of years"? Uh, you know what? So honestly, if the coach wasn't Josh McDaniels, I might consider it. Uh, like there, there is this moment where does everybody say, "Well, now you got to move on from Derek Carr"? My answer to that is for who, right? You know, if you believe that Derek Carr, and I think that this is not a hot take. If you want to believe that Derek Carr is the fourth-best quarterback in the AFC West, fine. Who are you going to acquire or draft that you know is going to be better than Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, or Justin Herbert? The answer to that is, especially in this year's draft, probably nobody. So the best thing to do is to continue trying to build the best team around Derek Carr and uh, trust that if you have a better 53 and a better coaching staff, it doesn't matter if they have a better quarterback. I mean, Justin Herbert was widely considered to be better than Derek Carr last year, who went to the playoffs, right? So, you know, you got to look at the team as a whole. If, if Josh McDaniels wasn't the coach, then I would wonder if you're trading and you're just starting the whole rebuild and saying, hey, for the next couple of years, we, we're not going to be great, but give us three years and we will be right in our stride. But I just, I have a hard time imagining Josh McDaniels jumped out of New England into the likely last chance he'll get as a head coach to start a rebuild project. So more likely, they're going to focus on being smart and free agency and being the best overall team that they can be. But we've asked you this before, given what happened yesterday, Indianapolis, others call today, what's your take on Carr now? What, what, what's, uh, what, what's the market in your mind now for him? I mean, the, the, the market for Derek Carr is still astronomical. Like, you know, I was talking to one of my buddies yesterday that's an insider at ESPN asking that very question. And he said the same thing I've heard multiple times, which is you'll get a couple of number ones for Derek Carr. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it's unreasonable if you're the Colts to look around if you had the equity and say, okay, I'm going to take uh, – it would take two ones and a two to get Derek Carr. The, the weirdest part about all of this is now the entire NFL, and I think largely including even the Raiders, has to sit in a little bit of a holding pattern to see what happens with Deshaun Watson. And for reasons – far bigger than anything that happens on the field. Deshaun Watson is untouchable. And frankly, I don't think anybody should want Deshaun Watson until we know the actual details of what are happening with 22 uh, accusations right now of, of sexual assault. Like, you're not talking about a small thing for Deshaun Watson. You're talking about a 
massive thing that, that is more important. I wouldn't touch him with the 10 foot pole, but I think that much of the NFL is going to stand back and wait for these depositions to happen to try and see if he gets cleared enough that somebody can justify to their fan base why they're taking him. If Deshaun Watson is available to anybody, then Derek Carr becomes the absolute bar none number one guy on your list. And if you can get Derek Carr on a value, then you redo a nice big fat deal. Like the Colts would immediately consider themselves a Super Bowl contender with Derek Carr as their quarterback. And I'm not sure they'd be wrong about that. They're a very good roster that needs a quarterback. How many things have to go right for the Raiders to actually win the AFC West next year? Like, is it even possible? Is the, is the ceiling actually lower than winning the division next season? Uh, well, I, okay, so this is where people are going to hate me. But, yeah, I, I don't think – I think the minute you saw how good Patrick Mahomes was, it became like when I was a kid and you realized that John Elway was who you were going to be taking on a couple of times a year and then Joe Montana was who you are going to be taking on a couple of times a year. And you hope that you can have one of those years where you shock the world and win the division – but realistically, you're just trying to get in the playoffs every year. Like, the chances that the Raiders are a playoff team next year, I don't think that's, that's out of the question. I mean, this is still a, a, a roster that's better than it's been in years that has some really high-impact players and I think can be super competitive in the AFC. Like, can they win a bunch of close games? Yeah, why not? And if you believe that Josh McDaniels is the difference maker that we hope he is, then absolutely can the Raiders pull off, you know, 10 wins. Yeah, I, I think that they can win 10 games with Derek Carr as their quarterback in this division still. Uh, but the other side of it is, like, will that win you the division? Oh, man. I, I mean, as long as Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback in this division and the Chiefs have a decent roster, I have a hard time thinking anybody but the Chiefs are going to be the annual favorite. And, you know, Justin Herbert's going to have expectation now. The Broncos, uh, the, the three people I asked that I think are the most knowledgeable also, the Broncos are now the second-best team in the AFC West. So, you know, you're, look, you're looking at this if you're the Raiders and saying, can we scratch and claw our way into the playoffs? But winning the division seems really far-fetched for the next couple of years. Wait, wait. Who are, who are the three most knowledgeable people? I'm not going to throw people under the oh, bus. Like you're, not, you're, you're highlighting them. You're highlighting the smart yeah. ones. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't like to, I don't like to, you know, I told everybody, hey, off the record, where are they? I don't want to throw anybody yeah. off the, you know. I, I've got journalistic man. integrity. That's the first time those Listen words have ever you, been my name. Listen to Don't you. Don't have that. What's wrong with you? Um, given what happened yesterday and all these guys who have been tagged, would you pay DJ Chark or Amari Cooper $20 million a year? No, God no. I, in fact, I had our fabulous group at Stats and Info uh, go back at ESPN and look at 1,000-yard receivers and where they were drafted because I'm of the belief right now that unless you are talking about somebody that is, oh, my God, I am going to make you a Super Bowl. If you're talking about Devontae Adams, maybe you pay Devontae Adams, right? But outside of that, I think the wide receiver position is much closer to running back than anybody wants to acknowledge. Like, why are you paying a guy when you can draft a guy? And DJ is a great example of somebody that was drafted in the third round. In fact, if you look at the last 10 years and five years in the split, there are almost as many 1,000-yard wide receivers in the second round or the third round as there is the first round. So, I'm looking how many years in a row am I going to host the draft digitally for ESPN and say, this is the best wide receiver class ever. We're doing it every dang year. So if you're telling me that, you know, you can sit around and roll the dice on a Jahan Dotson or somebody like that that, that I believe can play, then, you know, you, that's what I would do. I wouldn't turn around and pay a wide receiver wild amounts of money right now. I'd spend that money on the defensive side of the ball. That's the best way to compete in this new AFC. Um, how would you grade Derek Carr's performance uh, at the ACMs? It was good, not great. You know, it was. <laughs> I, I thought it, maybe he'd be a little more rehearsed. I, uh, 
I expected that he would be a little bit more refined, as it were, you know. But uh, it was good. It was good. You know, I, I wanted a little more DC charm. And by the way, first time that the ACMs were not at the MGM, and if I can be that hater for a second, like, I love Allegiant Stadium, but I just thought the stadium was way too big for that award show. You know, it, 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 it didn't feel the same to me. I preferred it when it was at the MGM and not when it was in the big room. Well, Look at I mean, you. he was probably hating on everything. He was probably sad also because he opened up with "Welcome to My Home," so it might be the uh, last. Yeah. It might be the last time he says that. So I mean, who, who knows? <laughs> I mean, he might have said, "Yeah, that's the last time." Say, it did appear that they might have had. Am I wrong? Did they have like four stages? Yeah, and that you know that's partially because that's an easy way to get from act to act to act the way they did it. And uh, my buddy Derek Wells uh, is many years in a row has been one of the ACM musicians of the year ran the house band for it and uh, he said it was pretty wild even trying to get some of the band guys that were playing for multiple acts from one stage to the other like that was that was a bit of a nightmare but it, it looked cool that part of it looked cool it just didn't have the same like vibe and energy with it and also i mean i i'll, I'll say it loudly as a country music person you know on a day of such progress where brothers osborne you know tj's been a close friend of mine for a long long time and you know, there were a lot of people that thought when then TJ came out and uh, and was open about his sexuality that that would be the end of Brothers Osborne. To see them win a duo of the year was this incredible, inspiring moment. And then Morgan Wallen wins, you know, album of the year, which was the kick in the no-no places to perpetuate every stereotype of country music and country music fans. So bit of a bit of an up-and-down day for country music, if you ask me. Oh, I, w- I just want to ask you as a fan, do you know Chris Stapleton? Uh, not well, but yes, a little bit. Man, he's good. I like him. Oh, no, he's spectacular, and I'm sure I've told you this before, but I was doing this Grammys performance, and, you know, we were, it was honoring Lionel Richie, who wrote Lady for Kenny Rogers, and Chris Stapleton was coming out to sing Lady, and I was standing there, and I had Little Big Town on one side of me, and I had Dave Grohl on the other side of me, and Dave Grohl looked at all of us as Chris Stapleton was sound-checking Lady, and Dave Grohl said, that guy is an effing rock star. And I just, I'll never forget, like, when Dave Grohl says you're a rock star, you are anointed in my world, so, like, uh, absolute the crowning moment for Chris Davidson. All right. Well, he is Jason Fitz from ESPN and occasionally over on Raider Nation Radio. Jason, as always, thank you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you guys. Have a great Take week. Care. So there's Jason Fitz. And um, Tyler, yeah. Dave Grohl is a... Uh, it, we did that. We did Dave Grohl. I don't remember what band he's in, but we did Dave Grohl. Where I had to, I had to guess Dave Grohl questions. Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah. We gave away Foo Fighters tickets. No way you know Chris Stapleton. I mean, I know the name. I know okay. Dave Grohl and Chris Stapleton's names. Okay. I don't okay. know what they look like. I okay. couldn't tell you. I assume Chris Stapleton is just a solo country act and yes. not in a band. Yes. He just goes by Chris. Okay, yeah. So I know the name. I don't. I couldn't tell you a song. No idea. You sound like he's the biggest celebrity in your life. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say? <laughs> Come on. I got like, Stapleton and Birds. Like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to Can't say? wait for the birds. Can't wait for them. All right. We've got tickets to go see Daughtry. The Dearly Beloved Tour is coming to Las Vegas on March 19th at the Theater at Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. So if you want to go out and see Daughtry, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. That's 702-364-1100. You'll win a pair of tickets to go see Daughtry, the Dearly Beloved Tour at the Theater at Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. We'll take caller number eight at 702 702- 364-1100. Played against uh, the reigning MVP who probably should win it again. I don't have a vote, but uh, 
Jokic is uh, just an, an unbelievable player and was spectacular tonight. Makes makes all of his teammates better. He makes defense so difficult because no matter what you do, he's got to counter for it. He's playing the game at, at such an easy pace and, and uh, things look, look so smooth for him out there. And with our defense coming into this game already struggling, he's a tough guy to face when you're not uh, well connected at that end of the floor. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Last week was Combine Week, and Jared was on vacation, which means Jared missed out on what might be his favorite topic of this entire show, and that is quarterback hand size. We got a lot of quarterback hand size talk last week, Jared, and you missed all of it. You weren't here for any of it. Um, Primarily, Kenny Pickett has tiny hands. He has eight and a half inch hands, which would be the smallest the smallest of any quarterback in the NFL. You often talk about Derek Carr having small hands. I think he's nine and one eighth uh, is how big Derek Carr's hands are. Uh, Kenny Pickett, though, not happy about being called out for having small hands. He said, if I pass for 45 yards on a rope, it doesn't say from a small hand. But if he fumbles, Jared will be here to tell everybody it's because he had a small hand. But yes, uh, I assume if you were running a team, you would not draft Kenny Pickett simply because of his hand size. I would be, I mean, if the value is there, like if I was quarterback needy and we were early in the second round and he was still available, sure. But no, I don't need a guy who's going to fumble because I probably (laughs) don't, I probably don't have that good of an offensive line. I hate you a little bit because we genuinely talked about this and i'm starting to take it more and more seriously okay it's a correlation like so like it's not we don't, don't have any definitive proof exactly i don't think there's an no. actual correlation no. it just no it no. sounds good no there, there's data to back it up the people like the guys with the i believe it when they did the study it was golf Carr and um, oh, I'm gonna have to pull it up, but the guys, the three guys with the smallest hands, fumbled, fumbled the most. The most. That's like I'm, <laughs> and the people with the biggest hands fumbled the least. Mark Sanchez never fumbled in his career. He was over ten inches. Uh, well, Mark Sanchez did fumble into a butt. That is true. <laughs> his hand was too big. Wow. Okay. So and it wasn't a right. bubble butt. Yeah, you're right, bubble butts. If we look at all the quarterbacks that were measured at the combine, the three biggest hands, Desmond Ritter came in at 10 inches, Cole Kelly from southeastern Louisiana at 9 and 7 eighths, and Matt Corral from Ole Miss at 9 and 5 eighths. Those were the three biggest hands measured at the combine. Matt Corral, to me, is the if... I don't know what his medicals have come back like. Oh, but, on the knee? It was at the knee. Yeah, but to me, he's the own of the quarterbacks that are available. He's the only one I'm interested in. Not he's Carson little. Strong. Carson <sighs> Strong kind of fell off. There was the, one point there wasn't where many, Carson Strong yeah. was top like five in the quarterback yes. class, and he's fallen off. People don't like him. I, I don't know what happened there. He's got he's got Derek Carr. He's got Derek hands. Carr's hands. So maybe that's why that could be the problem there. Um, what's interesting about Matt Corral is I think he's the shortest quarterback too. Like he's little. Like people are like, can he be? Like we've seen a couple of little quarterbacks, Drew Brees, that have been like really good, but there's still sort of a question of can you be five ten 
and be a good NFL quarterback. And that's what Matt Corral is. But he still has big hands, so he's not going to fumble as much. Can't see over his offensive line, but he might not fumble. Well, but that was always the thing about – that was always the knock on Drew Brees. And was it Steve Young they always said that, like, ah, he can't see over the offensive line. It was like, doesn't seem to be a problem. Yeah, well <laughs> – you know, if Matt Corral's Drew Brees, then it won't be a problem. But, you know, if he's not Drew Brees, it might be a little bit of an issue for him. I just I like his I accuracy. You like his accuracy. I I think Lane Kiffin driven is Matt Corral for the most part. He'll be fine, but nothing special. Um, the smallest hands at the combine. Oklahoma running back Kennedy Brooks has seven and five eighths Ooh, inch hands. That guy's gonna fumble a lot. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> You better touch that baby in, not have a Jared. Man, do you believe the hand size and fumbling is true for running backs as well? Uh, only if they run like LaShawn McCoy, where they like hold the ball <laughs> like it's a loaf of bread. Seven and five eight inches. Uh, okay. If if he if he covers up when he makes That's what I'm contact, saying. he better not use his hands. Yeah, he like better use cover your forearms. Yes, it'll be fine. It's the whole premise of the small hands is because you only have one damn hand on the ball. All right, I have a question for you. How do you hold a loaf of bread? I don't even... You mean like when you go to the store and get it? Because Jared Jared just said, like, LaShawn McCoy holding the ball like a loaf of bread, and that's that's Jared's not the only one to say that. That's a common saying. I hold a loaf of bread by the little extra plastic at the top. So do I. Like oh. when you go to Smith's, I pick it off the shelf, and I put it right. pick it with my hand on the on the plastic on the top. Does anybody grab the actual bread in the middle and carry it like No, that? not like, well, not grab it in the middle. I kind of scoop it up. like With the plastic? No, like I, like, I kind of... What do you, cradle like, it like a baby? Yeah, kind of like an inverse salt bag. What, why are you doing that? I, just pick it up by the little I don't plastic squish part it. at the top. You, put, you grab the plastic at the top and just sort of swing it. I do that too. I'm a, yeah. I, I swing. That's wow. how I pick up bread. That's why I'm always confused when people say you're holding it like a loaf of bread. How do you people hold loaves of bread? Well, apparently, like I, yeah, apparently I hold it like a crazy person. Yeah. Like I don't, uh, the only thing I can think of is like, if it's not sliced bread and you just have a big loaf that's not sliced and it's not bagged, then yeah, you might just like, grab that oh. damn thing in the middle and hold it like Think that. of it like a waiter bringing out a loaf of bread in the little basket with the uh, t- with the cloth. It's usually on. It's usually on a tray. I, I can't envision. This is not a realistic scenario to envision, Jared. All I got is I'm I'm carrying my bread by the plastic I at the too. top. I'm swinging it into has, the cart. And exactly, and that has zero. Uh, that is not a good analogy for carrying a football whatsoever. So you got to start. You got to start talking about like carrying a water bottle. Or something like that. The only time I, I grab in the, the only time I pick it up Five, is if I have to scan it because I'm doing my own checkout. Three, oh. Two,